everyone. Welcome along to the October edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, hosting as always, and I've got alongside me, as ever, the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe, who uh, I can just tell because we're on Zoom, we've got a bit of the lurgy at the minute. And we've got uh, Luton Trust Chair Tony Murray joining us again uh, after missing last month. Chaps, how are you? Good, thanks, Kev. Uh, apart from the lurgy, right? Yeah, you Good stay stuff. away from me. <laughs> I think you're going to be staying away from everyone. Um, just I've got, uh, I've, look, I've, look. I've got my crucifix, my rosary beads, and my vial of holy water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, that you're both okay. Uh, good to have you back, Tony. Um, we missed you last month. Thank you for that, Kev. Okay, before we get cracking on all of the topics that we're going to cover uh, on the two parts of this episode, unfortunately, news broke to us on Sunday that a member of the Luton Town family. Uh, tragically died in a car accident, uh, killed Jacob Crawshaw, a 19-year-old who was actually in amongst the 1,600 Luton fans who enjoyed themselves at Millwall on Saturday. A second a passenger also died and a third one uh, taken to hospital. Um, this is tragic news. Um, our thoughts are for, uh, with all the friends, family and everyone who knew Jacob. Um, and we, we, we wish you all well. There will be a minute's applause on the 19th minute uh, of Saturday's game against Hull City. Hopefully there's no um, problems like there was at Derby conceding goals and things. Uh, If you are going to the game on Saturday, please do um, stand up and and applaud in the 19th minute. Uh, A minute's applause for Jacob and um, hopefully uh, Jacob looks down on Luton and, uh, and he sees a town win. Yeah, well said. Absolute tragedy, Kevin. Absolute tragedy. You know, whenever we lose any hatter, it, it's a very sad thing. But for a for a, a, a guy so young, barely more than a kid, and you know, absolutely, and, and my thoughts go out to his family. And that is echoed by the whole of us at the Luton Town Supporters Trust. Uh, rest in peace, um, Jacob. Okay, chaps, let's. Um... Look back on well, what's been a quite an eventful few weeks, really, on on an, on the pitch. Uh, five games for us to look at. We'll gloss over the Bournemouth one because uh, not only because it was the first one so long ago, it was also the only one that we lost. Didn't really deserve to lose that. Uh, I was the only one at that game, so I'll quickly run through that one. Um, went two 0 down in the first half, but Elijah Adebayo had a golden chance before uh, Bournemouth scored, and it would have been a different game if he'd scored that. But in the second half. It was much like West Brom. It was just like all town got an own goal, which looked like Reese Burke scored at the time, but he didn't. It was an, it was an own goal. Almost got an equaliser, just didn't quite get it. But the one thing that's come out of that game, and I think we are all pretty aware of that, chaps, is there's a belief about this squad now. They they just took the best of the team in the division. They went toe-to-toe with them. They didn't come out with a result, but they did everything but. And then, Tony, the following game, well, they, they, they emphatically got a result at home to Coventry. Oh, destroyed them right from the word go. I mean, you know, Coventry were on a really good run themselves and uh, to absolutely do that to them, to to destroy them like that was amazing. You know, and realistically, Coventry can, you know, look at it and think, you know what, we were lucky not to come away on the end of seven or eight. You know, we were that dominant in everything. I think everybody got a surprise. I mean, I think, you know, we all knew that we could beat them, but you know, the way we did it, everything right from the word go, we we were just relentless. And, uh, you know, people have been saying for weeks that 
somebody was going to get a hiding. And uh, I, I, I didn't really expect it to be Coventry, um, but it was pleasing nonetheless. Um, you know, and, and when you look back on this side, you know, you said about Bournemouth, we were unlucky to lose that game. Um, and, and, and you think of the potential that this side has got because it's still coming together. You know, he hasn't had um, a full squad for ages. And last night's game, I think, was the first one for ages he'd, he'd had a full squad. Um, I think the, the future looks rosy. It looks great. It's a really great time to be a hatter, Kev. Yeah, I want to come on to that uh, when we've gone through all of these games, because like you, I'm really excited about what could be um, achieved with this squad. But James, that... Um, that evening was just fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, it was just goal after goal after goal after goal. And, you know, OK, it might have started in a fortuitous way by the fact that we got given a penalty that was the TV cameras showed that the foul was outside the box. But from the moment Adebayo stuck the penalty away, it was just a relentless one of those nights that when Luton get going under the lights, there's just no stopping us. Yeah, well, I suppose they learned really from previous times when they scored early goals and then taken the foot off the gas and um, it's come back to bite them so that they they did the opposite this time. I'm, I'm with Tony. I, I've, from the performances they put in, I thought someone was due a hiding. And uh, yeah, well, at least they clawed back the, the goals they let in against Burnley, didn't they? So uh, mm. yeah, it was... It, many more of those, I, I think, they could be this season. Well, not many, but, you know, if they play like that and they're on form, on song, then uh, they can uh, put a few teams to the sword. And they're obviously scoring a lot more goals now than they did last season. And the crazy thing about it, only Luton fans can worry when you go 3-0 up inside half an hour, <laughs> obviously, because we we surrendered the 3-0 lead against Swansea in a previous home game. People around me were almost like, please don't score a third. Please don't, or make sure he score a fourth. And when Adebayo scored right on the stroke half time to make it 4 0, it was like a whole sort of wave of air just lifted from everyone. And uh, and it was fantastic. Uh, one thing I want to pick out from that um, that game, Tony, yeah, on the pitch, I'll, uh, we'll have a quick chat about the off the pitch in a minute. Harry Cornick, we're going to talk about him in much more detail in a minute, but he actually scored with his head in that game. That's a very, that's a rare thing. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it, but. At least he, he put his head to it and put it in so he proved he can hear the ball. You know, I'm, I'm very pleased for Harry. I know we're going to talk about him shortly. Um, but it was pleasing to see. I'm I, I, Going back a while, I can remember in the uh, early 80s, I can remember uh, a similar thing. David Moss, who hated heading the ball in the game at QPR, he, he scored with a header from the edge of the penalty area or just outside it. And it was just like, you're all standing there gobsmacked. But no, well done, Harry. He's on fire at the moment. Absolutely, he is. Yeah, and um, James Adebayo, he's he's really starting to sort of come into his own. There was a there was a fair bit of criticism actually about him during the derby game, and we'll come on to that again in a minute. But I liked his composure from the penalty spot uh, for the first one, and the third, sorry, the fourth goal, the, the goal that he scored. You know where he just got himself at the back post in the position to head that ball. That's exactly what we wanted him when, when we first spoke about him on the podcast. That's what we wanted him to to get good at. He did it against Sheffield Wednesday last season for his first goal. Uh, and it reminded us that he's got that in him again. Yeah, the penalty is how all penalties should be taken. No fanning about, 
no dinking it, no trying top corners, no funny run-ups, just run up to the ball and pelt it in the bottom corner. Keeper's not getting it. I think he's a, he's a wonderful penalty taker. If he can carry on doing that, then um, he's going to more than make up for um, James Collins' loss, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, he is still learning, isn't he? He's only been here since January and he's not played at this level until that point. Um, but he is holding his own. He's he's joined top with Harry now. But if we're going to say that Harry's on fire, then you've got to say that Elijah is as well, really, haven't you? And that goal, the second one, was one of the most gorgeous team goals you could hope to seize. Who knew Cal Naismith could play Hollywood balls out to the out to the flanks, and then James Bree's just going to roll it across the across the six yard area to where he's waiting. It's beautiful. So um, there we go. He's he's showing uh, he's showing the right instincts. I think he spent a lot of time out wide for me in the early part of the season. I think he's. Hopefully, starting to correct that and being told to be a bit more central, uh, as that goal showed. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's a threat. I think the mate, you know, he scores goals as well. But there's so much more exciting stuff to him as well. I mean, he can nutmeg a mermaid. That's a good thing. He gets he can do that. <laughs> How long have you had that one lined up? I nicked, nicked it off somebody. <laughs> it's not mine. Can't take credit for it. But uh, he he could go around people. Yeah, he's good with his feet in tight areas. So when he gets in the box, um, if he is sort of out, out wide, he can fashion some space to either have a shot or, or set someone else up. So there's a lot to his game to be excited about. And the fact he's getting some headers as well, which I guess we'll come on to. Um, but last night against Derby, then um, it, it's, it, there's an all-round player there. Um, and he's just got to get, uh, get polished up. Yeah, there really is. I, I really like what I'm seeing from Adebayo. Um, that, that, that's for sure. Well, we'll, um, we'll go on to the next game in a minute. But Tony, just one thing. The Coventry fan who got taken ill during the game. Fair play to everyone involved. The, uh, the players for notifying, the referee for stopping the game, the two sets of medics for going over and making sure that all was OK. Football doesn't really matter when something like that's going on. It's, it also happened again on Sunday at Newcastle as well, didn't it? It was good that yeah. the guy involved got the best treatment possible as quickly as possible and it's all OK by all accounts. Yeah, that that that's good. I mean, the, the thing is, it's uh, there's far more awareness of it now and, and, and the importance of that. Um, you know, I, I did have to laugh at his comments afterwards when he turned around. He, he, he was basically trying to get the game called off. So, you know, but at the end of the day, as, as long as uh, the, the, the guys are all right, it, it doesn't matter, you know, which team they support or anything. Nobody wants to see anything like that. But, you know, well done to everybody, you know, the medical teams and the stewards and everything for, for getting there and sorting it out. And the same thing at Newcastle the weekend. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, let's just go on to the Huddersfield game, James. I think the only real thing of note in that game was the fact that Matty Pearson came back, didn't really do an awful lot. Him and Sonny Bradley had a little um, almost coming together over on the far side there, didn't he? And I think Sonny admitted that anyone else, he'd have booted him over the stands, but not Matty. But not really a game to live long in the memory, that one. He did put him into the stand, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> He, he did. He flung he, him over the uh, advertising hoarding uh, halfway. Anyway, I mean, that, I mean, the fact that we're talking about it, it says everything about the game, doesn't it? It was a bit, it was a bit flat. Um, uh, they cancelled each other out. 
you know, they've improved actually, to be fair to Huddersfield. Well, they were quite rubbish last season. But, um, Is that something yeah. we're going to have to get used to, though, James? Obviously, Huddersfield looked at Wednesday night and thought, shit, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to get done five sort of thing. Are, are more teams going to come down here and pack the edge of their own box, like, like in the League One and League Two days? Are we that established now in the Championship? Well, maybe not every team, but it, it, it will happen um, in sort of gradual stages if Luton continues to play like this. Um, you know, they, they're probably being, uh, they're probably catching teams a little bit unawares if they are judging them by last season where they uh, were a bit more pragmatic. But eventually uh, teams will get wise to it and then they might try and employ those tactics to try and stop Luton. Um, and it's about trying to find a way to, to get around them. And in the League One and League Two season, they did frequently, so uh, it's an exciting thing. I think um, it, it's a it's an element of respect as well from opposition teams who, uh, you know, that hashtag teams like Luton only exists because everybody thinks that Luton should be beaten by everybody in this division. But um, it's fast becoming a bit. I mean, it's a joke for Luton fans anyway. They like to send a Mickey out of it, but it's it's fast becoming uh, you know nonsensical the way that Luton have established themselves. You know, they're ninth in the division now. And, uh, you know, I, I can't see them. You know, you'd, you'd fancy them, actually, to stay up there and maybe even push a little bit higher. So they, in that sense, they are an established side. And this evolution that Nathan keeps talking about is not something that's very obscure. You can actually see it's happening. It's, it's a very exciting time. It really is. Um, one of the sort of things that we were always famous for, um, Tony, was our fullbacks getting forward and uh, either scoring or setting goals up. And that almost happened in that Huddersfield game, didn't it? When Amari Bell uh, header against the post, uh, he's already scored this season. So he seems to fit the uh, the sort of uh, DNA perfectly, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, Bell's been a great acquisition for us. And it it does look a lot more potent down that left-hand side, especially when he's there with uh, Fred. Um, and it's great to see that, a full-back who can get up and down and, and attack like that on, on, on the left flank again. Uh, and then on the right-hand side with Bree, Bree starting to come into his own. And uh, uh, I think uh, the way he's playing at the moment is the best he's played since he joined us. So it's good to see that again. Yeah, but it, it's, a, it's a hard act to follow JJ and, and Jack Stacey but we're getting there. We're getting there, and and we look a lot better down the flanks. And I and I, I like it when they play um, the wing back system because we with Bradley Lockyer and Naismith, we we look very solid there, and they complement each other. So also that that allows Bell and uh, and Bree to get forward. So you know it, when. When it works, it works very well. Yeah, we certainly searched for that combination, haven't we, since JJ and um, Stacey left. And Touchwood, we might well have um, found it. James, um, Saturday just gone Millwall away. If you were to write down the perfect away performance, did you witness it with your own eyes? Yeah, it's pretty near. Um, you know, I've not seen... I've seen Luton go to Millwall since they've come back to the Championship just get completely dominated. Um, it's not been fun to watch. I mean, I think the word "bullied" has been used. Yeah, times down there. yeah, and it's not—it's not been all game actually. To be fair, the last time they went down there, 
they were okay for a half, but then they just got completely overrun in the second half, and it was um, it was too easy. Um, so, if, if you look at it from that point of view, well, in fact, Nathan did before the game. He sort of set out on marker whether this is how far Luton have come from from that point against Millwall because you have to fight for everything against them. They are um, they are a hard team to play against. Um, but they showed uh, that well, took almost complete dominance, I thought. Um, and uh, the fact that Harry got two goals in the way he did, uh, well, just wonderfully taken goals. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute. But um, there were so many good performances that day, uh, it was hard to pick a man of the match. I guess you've got to. You got to give it, give a good shout to Harry because you know until that Coventry when he hadn't scored a brace, now he scored, then he scored two in three. So you sort of got to give it to him for, for his goal scoring efforts. He was fantastic, but Pelly had only just come back as well. Brilliant, um, you know, it, it, it didn't need any sort of bedding in. He just jumped straight back into a high performance. Bree, I thought was fantastic as as Tony's just said, he's really uh, starting to show that that form in the Great Escape nine games that he came back with where he was outstanding. He's weighing in with the assists and stuff. So, um, And Adebayo was a, was a pain in the bum as well. Uh, but really, considering the way that Mill have bullied Luton has usually been aerially in the previous games. And um, Lockyer was immense. So was Sonny Bradley and Naismith. And, uh, you know, apart from one header, that Matt Smith got and Sleuth got to it. Um, you know, they, they really nullified it, all that threat, really, and, and they made look, they made Millwall look very pedestrian. So, um, you know, at that point, that was uh, three clean sheets in a row. Um, and and Sluger had the most clean sheets in the whole division, didn't he, as a, as a keeper? So... At both ends, it was it was uh, you know as clinical as you like, um, and his save actually from the penny, um, I don't think it talked about enough really because it was also eighty-two minutes. If Millwall scored that, then they pile on the pressure for what probably ten minutes with injury time at least could have got dicey, uh, but that, that took the sting out of it. And it was it was wonderful. There was nothing wrong with that penny. It was well hit and it was it was low enough and slew was magnificent save. So yeah. Um, yeah, ultimately it was it was you know, a textbook uh, away day. It really was. I mean, shout out to Tom Lockyer. Uh, I thought he was absolutely superb on um, Saturday. And you're right; you probably would have to give man of the match to Harry because his goals decided the game. But there was a block in the first half that Lockyer made from a phobia that was absolutely yeah. out of this world. He had absolutely no right to make it. A lot of defenders wouldn't even have tried to make it. They just just accepted they were beaten, but not him. And then there was another one he made two in the space of a few seconds, one of which via his crown jewels, which I'm sure were um, <laughs> still uh, giving him a bit of grief um, a bit a bit later on in the game. They always go down, don't they, wanting the physio to treat them. What the hell can the physio do for that? I don't know. But <laughs> it was... Uh, it was do, do you need a little talk? A little talk <laughs> about this? <laughs> no, no, no. You were right. We will move on, Tony, to last night's game at Derby. Nowhere near as good in terms of performance. But I guess you could argue that as good as we were to get a win on Saturday, 
the result that we got on Tuesday night was equally as good based on the level of the performance. What I mean by that is we were, by our own admission, pretty ordinary, but we didn't lose the game. Whereas in seasons gone by in this division, when we've been ordinary, it, it's not it's not been good at all result-wise. Mm. I mean, yeah, we... <laughs> We to me that game looked like you know we were a bit jaded and flat-footed and um, lacklustre, and I was quite surprised that he put out the same eleven to be honest with you because you know just to say that Millwall game I agree with every word that James said about that and and looking back on that it was almost like that performance was Luton looked at Millwall and said. Come on, do your worst. Try and bully us. We'll deal with that and we'll go down and put you to bed. But the level of effort that they put into, like the the, the high-pitched press and fighting around, it's hard to, to do that a few days later. So I'm not, I, I wasn't surprised. When I, when I saw the 11, I, I, I wasn't surprised about last night. But again, you know, you look at it, we... we until that we conceded that first goal, we didn't look like we were in any trouble at all. And we were coping with what they had. And, and in the normal circumstances, if, you know, Bradley hadn't made that mistake, I think that they would have got frustrated. Um, their crowd would have quietened down and uh, we'd have took control of the game. But it shows you that uh, for them to score twice against us, it took mistakes which shows confidence. I mean, and to go away and, and not be at the top of your game and and play relatively badly, but still pick up a point and come from behind, shows in, in football, that's the sign of a good side. And, you know, to, to come away with four points from two away games, I mean, two seasons ago, when we were battling relegation, you'd have, you'd have taken somebody's hand off for that, wouldn't you? So you you can't um, you can't knock that. And besides, Derby are not a bad side. They're, they're you know they're in the position they are because of that points deduction. Um, and and I I think they're, they're on form. They're they're probably a mid table side. So okay, you know we we came away with a point, which I was happy about. And I think me and you spoke beforehand and. You said that if Onya Dimma, that chip had gone in instead of hitting the bar, it would have been daylight robbery that we come away with three points. And I'm honest enough to know that, do you know what? Honestly, at the end of the day, Derby perhaps should have won that game. But I'm glad they didn't. You know, and we stuck in there and we fight. And you can't count us out, you know, for, for uh, until the final whistle's gone. Because they're still going and they're still trying. Um, so that was great. And, and the first time for ages as a supporter, I'll look at it and I'm saying, do you know what? Any away game, do you know what? We're in with a shout here. We could come away with the points. We could come away with a point. We'll get a result. Whereas a lot of games in, in not so much last season, but the season before you were thinking, oh my God, if we, if we can avoid defeat here, we're doing well. You know, so um, I, 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 again, you know, I, I think it's the signs of a good tide. Um, we're not going to play well every game. You know, a lot of supporters have unrealistic expectations. But it's getting better. And you've got to remember that this is the t- totally, fair enough, new side. 
And there's a lot of youngsters out there, good youngsters that got a lot of potential. And they're still forming as a team, still gelling. And I, I think, you know, if you look after Christmas, and certainly when, because it, it'll always add some players in the January transfer window. I think the second half of the season, you know, I, I can't wait for it, to be honest with you. But I'll, I'll be interested, you know, with the big physical sides that we cope with it, it'll be interesting to see how we get on against Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, you know, I would imagine by then it'll be a different Cardiff side to um, to, to the one now. I mean, you mentioned there about, you know, two seasons ago, we'd have snapped Emily One's hand off for four points. I've got to be honest, I'd have happily taken four points from these two games long before they kicked off and yeah. not, bothered, uh, not bothered playing them and then sort of cracking on sort of thing. Um, at the moment, you've got to remember, we're unbeaten in four games, which is yeah. great. This is the first goal we've, uh, the first goals we've conceded in those four games. That's the sign of the playoff side. In fact, actually, I'll even go. It, it, it's the sign of, of of a promotion side. Yeah, as well, long we're as we keep that going. The they table, say on right? average two points a game. That's what you're aiming for. Yeah, we're sitting ninth in the table. So uh, again, yeah. I'll uh, I'll get your thoughts on uh, the table uh, in a moment. Um, James, I uh, I think that there was a message in your WhatsApp, wasn't there, in the early hours of this morning? Oh, how good it is to have Fred back, and uh, he did change that game. And actually, before we talk about Fred, let's talk about Nathan because he made a mistake with the team selection or the way it was set up or, you know, everything else, whether he was wrong to play the same team or the right. You can understand why he played the same team after Saturday. Of course you can. But he didn't dwell on it. Some managers would leave it till half-time and then make the change. But we weren't getting to half-time, 1-0 down. He made that change 25 minutes in or whatever it was, 20, 28 minutes in, made the two substitutions and we looked an awful lot better after that. So he deserves an awful lot of credit. He does, yeah. Um, sort of played it down. Um, but it's a it's a bold move to change after just thirty minutes. Um, kind of shows where you are as a manager with your players as well, doesn't it? Because I remember when he did it to Alex Lawless when he was first when he first arrived, that relationship never really prospered from there. But he's now in that position with the group of players that he's got that he can do that and get, and not get away with it because ultimately it's, it's. But do you know what I mean? There's no comeback on him from that. Yeah, well, I think the circumstances would have made it easier um, <clears throat> because Naismith had been booked early and they just conceded a goal, so um, you can see what was going on um, and make the make the decision. Sometimes that doesn't happen. It doesn't. It doesn't happen enough. Not just sometimes. It doesn't happen enough. You can see things aren't going right, and so maybe uh, that's uh, you know a key uh, sort of turning point, learning point from his managerial career. You know, we all talked about game changes. Often that's second half stuff, isn't it? But you'd argue that that really did help uh, Luton get a foothold into the game. Um, and, you know, fantastic to have Musquay and, and Nizimba back because they were, um, they've, they've got a lot of promise, uh, a lot of power, pace, uh, and the stuff that frightens teams. Yeah, they have. Yeah, Tony, you had point. Sorry, I was just going to say that the major telling point for me when he did that, and it certainly it injected a bit more life into the side and a bit more get up and go. But the major telling point for me was, I mean, I don't think it was even 30 minutes, it was something like 27 minutes when he made the subs, was the reactions of the two players coming off. There were no histrionics. There were no throwing toys out of the pram. They just accepted it, came off uh, and, and, and got on with it. So that, to me, 
shows that Nathan is, is getting through to the players. They understand it. They're together as a group and they accepted it. And they, they, they're good professionals because they, they, you know, Naismith will accept, he'll understand, you know, I, I was taken off before I got sent off. Um, and, and Clark would put his hands up and say he just wasn't on it at all. If Clark actually, doesn't know that Nathan Jones loves him, uh, he's not been listening yeah, to his post-match interviews, has he? He's called him on, honestly, honestly, any of those three mid, any any of those midfielders could have been taken off. The only one who did show any slight spark about him was Pelly, right? But and everybody was saying we're getting overrun in midfield, we're getting overrun in midfield. That's purely because Derby packed the midfield, so he had to do something. He had to shake it up. He had to freshen it up, but he also had to change the shape. And it worked. Okay, we, you know, their, their second goal was was just one of those things. It, it was a bad mistake at the back to allow that player to get free and turn away from Bell, and then Sluger letting it go through his legs. You know what is it about Sluger and Derby? I don't know. Um, but he got it right in the end, and that's the main thing. You know, and he he put he'll put his hand up to it, Nathan Jones, and you know. But it is, you know, we, we've got another game coming on Saturday. It's coming thick and fast. We're going to have the same thing again. So, you know, at least you look at it and you see the bench that we've got. The bench is pretty strong. It's always pretty strong. You know, and, and when you look at the players sitting on the bench, they could come in and replace any of those players that come off. So the competition and everything is great. But it's all, you know, the team spirit and everything is brilliant in that side. In that squad, yeah, and and I guess that shows by the fact, James, that last night was the third time this season that we've equalised fairly late on. You know, from from behind. You know, we've done it at Blackburn, we've done it at Bristol City, and okay, last night wasn't as late as those two, but it's you know it's still fairly late. It was nice of Derby to put Stuart Moore in goal, wasn't it? Before um, <laughs> before that cross came over, I have absolutely no idea what that goal it was up to, but. I'm certainly not complaining. I know, I know Tony was uh, probably just as happy about it because he's the former Wickham goalkeeper, isn't he? That um, that came out and didn't come out, and then by the time, well, I don't know. I don't know. Adebayo just got there, didn't he? And fair play to him. I mean, I don't know if he was expecting to take a whack or what, but he managed to control the header. He got it on target, and uh, celebration was brilliant. And like you've both said, I mean, Fred with the width of a crossbar away. Luton winning 3-2 away at Derby. I mean, we've been there before, haven't we? But unfortunately, crossbar got in um, in the way. But all in all, you know, five really encouraging performances, four, uh, four really good results, and uh, it all equates to ninth in the table. So, James, just how excited should we get? I think it's been exciting all season. I mean, if you're not excited already, there's something wrong with you because um, the way that they've... Are you allowing us to dream of the top six? Yeah, I don't see why you shouldn't dream of the top six. I, I'd be slightly wary about um, saying about going up this season. I think I'd still like to see a bit uh, them established a bit more and maybe be in power court, but that's three years ago. The rate they're going, maybe, you know, who knows? So um, you, you've got to take it if it comes, but... Um, just to be up in the in the top half of the table, challenging, um, is exciting. But if they can, the, the two things, isn't it really? That they, they, their results last season were formed off the basis of a big defence, and they've they sort of apart from last night when Tony Bradley gave the ball away. Um, you know, they had three clean sheets, 
as I said before, in Sluga, um currently Golden, golden Club contender, um, suggests that they've got that again. And if you factor in the fact that the whole defence was decimated for the first month of the season, and it was makeshift, um, that speaks volumes. So there's that foundation as well, but they're adding goals. Um, and they're adding goals from all over the shop. So six apiece from uh, Adebayo and Cornick, two strikers. On your team, when was scoring and before he got injured, he's come back and hit, hit that same vein. Luke Berry popping in. Uh, you know, <laughs> Danny Hilton's even scoring goals. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, it's no surprise to me that they are, the way they play, the, their high intensity and the way they press and try and put teams under pressure, that there are late goals coming because they've got the players that can score them, but they've now got the fitness and the conditioning to take it that late into a game. And now the, and now, now the injury crisis is over. They've got the squad to pick from to help them refresh that and keep going. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And uh, I don't, there's not, there's no teams in this division now where you, you'd be worried. Well, yeah, you, you know, we talked about Bournemouth earlier. They're, gonna, they're probably going to streak away with this league the way they're playing at the moment. A little game, a right good game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. There's, there's a long way to go, but um, yeah, I think that no more are you sort of worrying about what might come. It's, it's just, uh, if they can play and turn it on the way they have done, say, against Coventry or Millwall, the team's going to get a haste in. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. As I said, I'm getting excited about this. I just really hope that this squad finishes higher than last season because I think this squad has been built really, really well. It's a better squad than last season and I think probably is underachieving if it doesn't finish higher than last season. And I'm absolutely no doubt that it will finish higher than last season. Let's move on to a couple of players then. We usually focus on two players each podcast. And that's, to be fair, there's been so many good performances in the last month. We could easily have done 10 player focuses here, but we won't. We'll save some of them for another time. We'll focus on two. And Tony, we'll start with Harry Cornick, who is he playing his best football at Luton Town right now? Yeah, oh, without a doubt. It just shows you he didn't have a per. In terms of goal scoring, he, he didn't have a particularly good season last year. Um, I mean, as for his performances on the pitch, he was okay, but it just shows you what a bit of confidence can do. You know, um, last season it was when he when he got an opportunity, the first thought that would go through your mind was, oh, God. Now it's sort of, do you know what? He's going to score. He's going to score. And and his finishes this season have been absolutely tremendous, tremendous finishes. And he's shown you just what uh, qualities he has got. Uh, you know, and, and, and the thing is, you know, people have got to remember that players need to develop. And getting on their backs and calling them names and whatever doesn't help them. You know, it... it you know, you've got to encourage them. You've got to work with them. And and you've got to remember that there are people at that football club who know far more about football and players than the rest of us do. You know, Nathan Jones rates him. Mick Harford rates him. And if they rate them, that's good enough for me. You know? And Harry, you can see that quality. He's got the pace. He's got the skill. 
and he's starting to show he's got finishes in his locker. And as he said himself, now he just does it instinctively. He he doesn't overthink it. And I think that's what happened to him last season was the fact he get into a position. And I'm pretty sure he was thinking, oh, God, I've got to score. And as soon as you think that, you know, you, <laughs> the odds are stacking up against you and you, you overhit it or you underhit it or you put pla- you, to make sure you place it in the wrong place. But now it, he's just making good contact with the ball. As a striker, you know, all, what they say, you, you just get it on target. You get it on target, 50-50, it'll go in. If the keeper saves it, he's done his job, and that's what Harry's doing. You know, but now he's starting to learn that all strikers go through uh, droughts, and all strikers, they don't score every clear-cut chance they get. They, they miss. And the thing is not to be scared or worried about missing the target. You know, we seem to have picked up, and it's helped with Harry, we're a bit more ruthless now with our finishing. There's no question that we're making chances. We're making plenty of chances, but now we've got, you know, strikers who will finish it. And, and I think it looks good. I, I only hope we can hang on to him. Yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be the thing. James, uh, there's an awful lot of focus on Harry's goals, quite rightly so, particularly the second one on Saturday, actually. They're the kind of chances when he's clean through on goal that sometimes he's been known to panic and I've had to duck at the back of the stand rather than the <laughs> goalkeeper. But, but um He's actually second in this entire division for expected assists. Now, we're not going to go into all the data and all of that nonsense. If you know what an expected assist is, then happy days. But it just basically shows he's creating the second best set of chances for the other players in his side of anyone in the league. And when you think that the players that Bournemouth have got, that um, West Brom have got, and whilst we're on the subject of Bournemouth, let's just take a minute to hope that David Brooks has a successful recovery from his um, cancer diagnosis. No one wants to um, see that, particularly in a fit 24-year-old. Um, but all the players that these have got, Harry Cornick second in the whole league for um, quality of chances created, basically, if we, if you put it to a layman's term. Yeah. I mean, a lot of focus was made last season about him not scoring any goals until that one at the end of the, of the campaign. But he was still up there with uh, the assists for Luton. I think it was, it was Lever Pegging, wasn't he, with them? Um, uh, Kid and Jews before, uh, which you know has always been an asset of his game. Uh, you know, when you, if you remember when he first came, he was almost a wide player, wasn't he? He's uh, gradually moved in. Um, you know, Graham Jones moved him in more centrally, and then he seemed to go a bit wider last season, um, which is probably why the goals and the chances weren't um, as prevalent. Although you know, he's finishing was an issue which he seems to have uh, resolved um, so that there's that string to his bow as well um, and you always felt that if he could start hitting the net and I, I do believe it's just pure confidence because you, you bundled that one at the start of the season the first game um, and considering how long he had to wait you saw the relief didn't you if he was on the ground and poked it in and, um, you saw the relief in him and how he celebrated it That's, um, it, it shows what that meant to him He's clearly been the catalyst for the, the five goals since. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think he's so much improved. Um, you know, because considering, I think he sort of, um, I think he uh, plateaued in that first season. And then you kind of expect him that the, the last season was going to be the one that he kicked on. And it, it just 
wasn't the case. It's just, you know, apart from the assist, but everything else just didn't, didn't sort of click for him. Uh, and, you know, sort of did feel a bit worried for him, really, but he's, um, he's turned himself into a go-to man now. Uh, you know, his work rate is phenomenal. He's using his pace more effectively, I think. I always had this thing last season where if he, if he was one-on-one with a player out wide, I always fancied the defender because he never, seen it, never really had that confidence to think that I'm going to go past you. I think that's changed as well. So, um, uh, you know, long may that continue. I think he, he appears stronger as well in the ball, not so easy to knock off. You know? um, and that, that, that's that thing that Tony was talking about when it comes to development. So it's, uh, it is remarkable, the sort of turnaround. Um, but, you know, he... He's always talked about how he's been trying to work on his finishing. Um, I guess it, it's just it's just taken a little bit longer to to sink in and click for him, but now it has. Uh, you know, he's going on this form and carries it on. You know, he could be, you know, 15, 15 goals at least this season. That'd be great, wouldn't it? He um, he's always a good talker, isn't he, Harry? Um, that's one of the things I like about him. He's a nice guy, really nice guy. Um, getting well with him on this podcast. He always comes on each season and gives us his thoughts and we thank him for that. But I sensed on Saturday when you spoke to him that there was a pe- a real pep in everything that he was saying, you know, a real spring in the meaning of everything he said. You could just tell that stood in front of you was a confident man, a real confident man, a guy who's really content with it, everything that, about him right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, and maybe it's, you know, it's taken uh, Nathan to come back and show him a bit more love. Uh, you know, he brought him in the first place, and I think um, he's always said that there's a there's, there's a player there that um, just needs to be, you know, unearthed, um, and he's doing a great job of it. Uh, you know, you know, confidence in anything um, does shine through, and uh, you're right. You could obviously see that in his finishing. Um, but you know, he's, he seems really on top of the world and bubbly when you, when you speak to him at the moment as well. So, you know, long may that continue. But to be fair, most of the players in that squad are giving this sort of, for me, they're giving this sort of extra aura of confidence that I didn't necessarily, necessarily see or hear last season. You know, speaking I wonder to if badly. So, sorry to kind you. I wonder if it's confidence or is it belief? Is it belief we belong in the championship? We are now championship players. It's got to be that as well, yeah. Um, you know, I was speaking to Sonny Bradley after the uh, Coventry game. Huddersfield um, game. Huddersfield game, sorry. Yes, after Huddersfield game. And, uh, you know, he was talking up Harry, uh, but he was talking up the team and the potential. And everything he said um, suggested that there's a lot more belief in the team. Um, I think somebody asked him a question about whether you can push for promotion. He said, well, maybe not yet, but, you know, we're getting there and we're looking like, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but looking like a top half of the table team. And they are. So, um, uh, you know, he's the captain, so he's, he, he exudes that as well. But all the other players that come to speak, I think that they... You know, they're quite confident in their ability and their belief. And if you go to teams uh, like they have this season, even when they've not got the right result, you can really only look to Birmingham and the second half of Swansea where they've been 
completely off it. They've, they've given most teams a game. Um, and so, you know, everything that is always said about Luton, you know, trying to compete with budgets and the superstars of other teams. What they are is a great unit. They're, they're, they're more than the sum of their parts, really, um, which can't be said for a lot of other teams. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, and, and also, I think the thing that's helping Harry out is the team is set up an awful lot better for him. He's got a target man who can win flick-ons for him, who gets him through on goal. He's also got said the same said target man who can bring other men into play like Jordan Clark on Saturday. I know it was uh, James Breeze gave him gave Clark the ball for the first one. Um, but then you've got Pelly. You just got everyone higher up the pitch. So he, I guess he doesn't have to do as much uh, for the want of a horrible phrase, donkey work. And he can just focus on scoring goals and he's absolutely doing fantastic mm. at that and we hope that he does uh, an awful lot more of it in the matches to come and he, he he's equally effective on either flank Kev as well he is right yeah we saw that, that last line. night we saw that last night yeah. him and Fred um, changed flanks a couple of times and uh, Derby didn't know what hit them which was which was fantastic let's move on um, Tony let's concentrate on the captain now Sonny Bradley it's a bit of a shame actually because I'd already planned to do it player focus on him prior to last night it's a bit of a shame that it was he who got the ball caught under his feet for Derby's first goal but let's just gloss over that because I want to concentrate on the real strengths those first three games that he came back he is just there's just he's just a colossus in that defence isn't he he's um, he's definitely made a difference coming in there both aerially um, but he's a leader as well and he's leading by example he shows us the, the, the grit that we need and, and the determination and, um, you know, the, the fighting spirits, which we need. It, it, again, you know, everybody makes a mistake and that, you know, and that was unfortunate last night. And I, I don't think there'll be um, a harsher critic than Sonny himself doing that. But... Uh, it was appalling conditions last night as well, and it was a hard game. And both sides to play, and you know you could see both sides were making mistakes. You know the goalkeepers and everything else. So, you know, it, it, but I, it's great to see him. He's made a hell of a difference since he's been back. We're more solid. You know, at the back, he's put again same mistake. I mean, he made one fantastic challenge in the area in the second half where they would have scored if he hadn't got a, cha- a challenge in. So he more than made up for that mistake, you know, and, and, you know, Sonny's one of these, he doesn't let his head drop, you know, he's always trying to G people forward and as well as being a big man and and, and great in the air, he's also good on the deck normally, you know, and he's good at bringing the ball out and passing it. So, you know, more power, you know, more power to him. And uh, I think, you know, these things forget, forget the bad thing last night and just move on because he's, you know, his positives and everything he's done for us far, far outweigh any mistakes he's made. Yeah, absolutely. If you're talking credit, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's got more than enough of that in the bank. What really interests me last night, you could tell the respect that he has for his teammates because when everyone was getting excited, celebrating the second goal, he was trying to get everyone together and calm them down. And uh, there's actually a video clip doing the rounds where he gets everyone in a group and he's like, we are not losing this game from here. And... Uh, Oh right yeah, he, he he's a good leader. You know, he he's got he's got very similar qualities. I find that way in leadership to Kevin Nichols. 
inspirational, driving people forward and and telling them what they needed to hear, not what they want to hear, what they need to hear. And, and showing that spirit that no matter how badly we play, you're right, we're not going to lose this game. Exactly, yeah. I mean, James, the song used to be to Matty Pearson, if you threw a brick at him, you know, he'd, he'd head it back. But, I mean, if Millwall threw bricks at him on Saturday, he'd have headed them back. He headed anything that moved on Saturday. He was brilliant with every single ball that came into our box. I'm going to win it and it's going. It's getting cleared. Yeah, he's been brilliant for a long time. He's, he's absolutely different gravy, really. He's... He fits in a two, he fits in a three, uh, he organises. You know, Luton missed him a hell of a lot when he wasn't there at the start of the season when teams were bombarding uh, in the box. And it was, you know, I think the first five goals of the season, something like that, um, were all uh, you know, coming from across, coming from crosses and areas and stuff like that. So they really missed him and now he's come back and uh, he, he hasn't. He hasn't taken his time. I think they did really well with it to to get him to that point because you know, we, you know I spoke to him, I bumped into him at the zoo actually, <laughs> just before he came back, uh, and he was telling me about um, uh, which he's now told in the press. So I, I can't say it. He was telling me how he was uh, you know, bedridden, lost like a stone weight, and it's really really affected him. So um, to come back and have the conditioning that he has to slot in and look like he's never been away. I think we've done the right thing and sort of bide their time. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think um, he's, he's such an integral uh, part of the team. Now. Um, and uh, he, he's got, just got this, just got this command of uh, the background now. And, it's no surprise to me that they've uh, had as many clean sheets as they have had. I mean, it, it's as a whole defensive unit thing, but he's the leader there. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have him the team. I, I didn't want him to leave in the summer. I'm glad he saw it now and stayed. And now I think, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a long time. Yeah, and it looks like it certainly looks like he's made the right decision to stay, doesn't it? Because uh, this team is certainly a team that's going places. Okay, that's the end of the first part of the podcast. We've reviewed everything that's happened since we were last together. And in part two, we will have a look at some of the other issues that are going on. And we'll look ahead to the remaining games up to the next international break.